Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Amen, amen. It's good to be at Lifehouse this morning. Man, I felt God's presence during worship. If, if, if nothing else goes well, you've been blessed because you've been in God's house this morning. I always tell people, you know, if God moves on to worship, if the preaching stinks, you're still in good shape, right? Amen. It's true. It's true. Well, we're smack in the middle of a message series called In God We Trust. And um, if you have a printed uh, money of any kind on you or a coin, you can pull that out right now. I'm not going to take it, I promise. It's just for you to look out. But if you pull that out, any denomination, in somewhere on that bill or somewhere on that coin, now the coins are pretty little. You might need a magnifying glass if you're like me. But somewhere on there, you're going to find the words, in God we trust. In God we trust. And this was originally stamped on the coins in the United States of America during the Civil War. But in 1956, it became the motto of the U.S. government. It really was. Uh, it has. And they begin to print it on our money. And the meaning of that phrase, in God we trust, denotes that political and economic prosperity of this nation is in God's hands and not ours. Amen. It's in God's hands. When it comes to money and possessions, that's exactly what every Christian, uh, that should be your motto. In God, I trust. Um, My political, my economic gain of any kind is not dependent upon my intelligence. It's not dependent upon my ability. It's not dependent upon uh, my prowess. It's not my logic. It's not my ingenuity. It's not any of those things. It really is that God's hand is on it. It's in God we trust. I trust in God with this area of my life. President Dwight Eisenhower had it right in 1956 when he took this to the Congress and they put this, they printed it on every bill. I think, I think we should print it on the credit cards. Amen? Come on. Instead of Visa across there at the top, it should say, in God we trust. I'd probably spend a little less, right, when you get that puppy out. Right? And God, we trust it should be on the credit cards. This whole idea of this message series has been along these lines. Are we trusting God in the area of money and possessions? Are we giving this over to him in every of my life? And I can tell you with complete confidence in my own life that God does a lot better job with my finances than I ever would on my own. I can tell you that for certain. Uh, I got testimony about that, which I don't have time to give this morning. But if you know anything about God, if you serve God any length of time, you'll find out very quickly that his plan is better than yours. Amen? So that's what this message series is all about. I'm going to give you just a little short review. We've done two messages previous to this. And the first one, the big idea, say the big idea. We have big ideas in our message, all right? The big idea was this, that I'm a manager and not just an owner. Say that. I'm a manager and not just an owner, right? Uh, Yeah, you're not the owner. God's the owner, right? Uh, I, I said that wrong. I'm a manager and not an owner. God's the owner. You're the manager. The second thing that we hit, the second big idea is that too much debt will rob me of freedom. Too much debt will rob you of freedom, right? And this morning, I want to bring a third truth to you. Um, and I hope, as I bring this truth to you, that you adopt it into your believe center, all right? I don't know if you know this or not, but each of you have a believe center. How many know that? 
point to the person beside you right now. Go ahead, point to him. Just point to him. Even if you don't know him, point to him. All right? And tell, you know, look, my parents taught me not to point, right? Point to him and tell him, you got a belief center. You do. You adopt things into your belief center, and you, and you kick things out of your belief center. You really do. You've got this place that lodges somewhere between your head and your heart, and, and, and there's all kind of things that come into that, and you believe something. Right, and you act on what we act on what we believe. It's true, and, and that could be based on the truth. It could be based on a lie. It could be based on an opinion. It could be based on my preference. Right, but you believe some things, and and and, and it stays in your belief center. And as long as you believe it, you'll act on that. But if you kick it out of your belief center, you'll stop acting on it. Right, it's true. If you believe exercise is good, guess what you're going to do? You're going to exercise. If you believe donuts are good, guess what you're going to do? You're going to eat donuts, all right? Uh, it's true. It's true. So, you know, hopefully as we take a look at this truth, and, and here's the thing about your belief center. You want, you, you don't, don't adopt things into your belief center that are just opinion, mine or anybody else's, right? Your own. Don't adopt things into your belief center that, that is just somebody's preference of some kind. Don't believe any of that. Look for truth. Amen? Look for eternal truth. Truth. Here's the thing about truth. Truth's eternal. And if you're gonna get and if you're gonna find out truth that's eternal, you gotta go to an eternal source, right? And guess who the eternal source is? God Himself. He's the only one that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's eternal. So you're gonna adopt this into your belief center this morning. So here's the next truth. God blesses me with money and possessions so that I can be generous. All right? God blesses me with money and possessions so that I can be generous. He gives to me so that I can give to others. I get, so I give, right? I'm blessed so I can bless others. I get increase so I can share that increase. However you want to adopt that phrase into your belief center, however you want to phrase that, you know, that meaning, you want to pull that in. I give, if I get, I give. However you want to work to remember it. Uh, as Jesus followers, we must be generous. We give. We give. And, and it turns out that being generous with our money and possessions has benefits for everybody involved. Now, if you're the receiver of the benefit, how many know that's a benefit? How many like to get gifts? Come on. Yeah. How many of you are lying because you're not lifting your hand? How many of you like to get gifts? Come on. Some of you are grinning back there like, yeah, yeah, you like to get gifts, right? It's nice to be on the receiving side of something. But it turns out there's benefits for the giving side as well. Alan Lux in his book, The Healing Power of Doing Good, conducted research on the effects of generous service and giving, polling over 3,000 volunteers from 20 organizations. Lux discovered that the uplift of giving, a physiological phenomenon produced in our body when we give and serve, called a giver's high. Lux found out that if people have helped out others, they experience a feeling of well-being and tranquility, and they counteract stress and tension. Among the benefits Lux found you, can, you get from volunteering and giving, a more optimistic outlook, increased energy, better perceived health, decreased feelings of loneliness and depression, better weight control, less pain, a greater sense of relaxation, improvement in sleep, a stronger immune system. Isn't that awesome, right? Believe it or not, God designed generosity to be benefit everybody involved. Uh, a study carried out in Tecumseh, Michigan, with 2,700 persons found that those who consistently uh, volunteered or gave had a mortality rate 2.5 times lower than those who didn't. 
Apparently, research is agreeing with what Jesus said over 2,000 plus years ago in Luke 6, 38. They They really are. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. God's set up for giving is a circular thing. It really is. It's a circular thing. It's an in and out kind of thing. It's an investment in and there's produce back out. It's circular. There's a flow that goes with giving. You give out, God gives back. You give out, God gives back. It's circular emotion. It's an investment thing. How many know an investment's like that, right? You invest in something, right? You invest in a stock and the idea is for that stock to go up and it produces more and gives out. It's the whole idea. It's it's kind of like the kingdom of God and giving is a little bit like now some of you might be too young to remember this but how many remember the old candy machines that now this was pre-COVID right everything's pre-packaged now you can't touch anything but back then they had candy it was all multicolored and it was this sweet candy in there and you stuck a quarter in the machine you spun the knob right and had a little shoot you lift it up and you put it down and it all dumps out in your hand and half of it dumps on the ground that was the whole idea right so you buy some more yeah, that's, that's kind of how it is in God's economy. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. And, and, and it's God who empowers the giving and brings back. Now, listen, I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm just telling you this is how God works in the kingdom, and I'm going to show you scripturally. He gives out. If you get God in the mix, all right, he's the one that gives the increase, right? It really is. So, you know, when we're blessed with something, he says to give it back out. It's not for me to hoard up for myself. It's not for me to gather in and, and build a, a, an empire of some kind, right? The Kip Empire. I do have that on my, my Wi-Fi at home. It's called Kip's Kingdom, but that's as far as it goes, okay? <laughs> you all know now, if you come to my house, I have to get on my Wi-Fi, all right? But it's not about my kingdom. It really isn't. We should adopt in our belief center that it's about give and it'll be given back to you. This is how God works. And and, and as a people of God, we give. He said that Jesus said this is going to be a defining mark of those who bear my name, who who are called Christian, right? 1 John 3, 16 says this, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in needs and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? If we close up and just keep it all for ourselves, the word of God says, how do you even know you have the love of God in you? Right? I, you can, Kip's interpretation of that, do you even know you're a Christian? Right? We got, it's, it's not a question of we give, it, we do give. Matthew 6, 1 says this, Jesus said this, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when, say when, when. not if, when you do your charitable deeds, do not sound a trumpet before uh, you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have the reward, but, but when you do your charitable deeds, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. It's not an if, it's a when. And and in this passage, it's not just a when, but God says when you do it, when you give, you need to do it this way, right? You need to make sure you're not doing it to be seen by people. You need to make sure that you're doing it in secret. So secret that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. 
right? It's so secretive that, that, that this hand doesn't even know what this hand's got going on when you're given. And if that's not convincing enough, let me give you Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, now all, now all who believe were together. This was the first church. This was the early church. And had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Generosity is the defining or should be the defining mark of a Christian. It is a reflection of God himself. The father gave the son, right? He sacrificed his son. He gave his son so that we might have life and we might have salvation. The son, Jesus, gave his own life so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And when Jesus left and went back to the father, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he gave us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came back. And when the Holy Spirit got here, the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to give you gifts. And, and we, right? The gifts of the Spirit. It's in scripture. He said, I'm going to gift you. I'm going to give you the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to empower you. Right? I'm going to guide you. I'm going to counsel you. God blesses me with money and possessions so I can be generous. It's how it works in the kingdom. It's circular, right? It's not just give me, give me, give me, right? Or give, give, give. It's both. It's all together. My heart should be constantly fixed on this reciprocal work of generosity in God's kingdom. Amen? Not optional, right? It's not, it's not up for opinion. It really isn't. Uh, I remember as I was preparing this and I got to the end of this first point, I remembered Steve Pichalo. Now, some of you know Steve uh, and Betty. Um, they passed away during COVID and they were dear saints of God who were with us from the very beginning. But Steve used to, he had all this phrase he used to tell me all the time, it's just what we do, Pastor. All right? He'd just say, it's just what we do. Right? It's just who we are. It's part of the kingdom. We give. Amen? Amen. Amen. You with me so far? All right, we give, we give. All right, and not only do we, not only are we generous, but God actually has an order to generosity. I don't know if you know this or not, but God always has an order with everything. Just about anything you go look at in God's word, you're going to find God has an order. He wants things done a certain way. I've been reading recently in, in my own uh, personal devotions. I've been in the Old Testament. I've been reading about the temple. And it's amazing how God came down and told Moses, when you build the temple, I want, he didn't just say, hey, put a temple up, right? Make it up as you go. He didn't do that at all. He had an order in it. He told, he told Moses everything. He told him what, what materials he was supposed to use. He told him how to design it. He told him how, what it's supposed to look like, how big it's supposed to be. God has order in what he does. And he has order in generosity as well. Right? And the, the, the order begins with this. We should first be generous towards God. All right? Your generosity starts with giving back to God. If we're living uh, in God, we trust kind of life. That means we give back to God first. And, and uh, we practice this uh, generosity. We actually should practice this generosity first with God before we're generous anywhere else. It's true right? It's how we get God involved in our finances. I don't know if you know that or not, but when you're generous with God first, you bring God into your financial picture. You bring God in, in, in on board with you, and, and, he, and he begins to walk with you, and he begins to guide you. It's how you get him in the financial mix. It's how you get him beginning to generate what's taking place or what should be taking place in our money and possessions. It really does. And God has a plan and has had a plan literally since the very beginning. 
the first man, Adam, the first Eve, uh, woman, Eve, right? And their two sons, uh, Cain and Abel. God, from the very beginning, first family on the face of this planet, God established this idea of giving to him first. So if you got your Bibles, you can go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. If not, it's going to be up on the screens. And it says this. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When, then she gave birth to Cain. She said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. All right? So I want you to get this picture in your mind. Abel, right, this first son, he, he becomes a shepherd, and Cain, he becomes a farmer. One's got sheep, you know, animals of some kind. Cain's cultivating the ground. He's getting produce of some kind. He's growing something. And it says, when it's time, when it was time for harvest, harvest is increase. When you're harvesting something, if you're a farmer, you're bringing in, right? That's when you get increase. Not when you're planting a seed. You're spending money when you're planting a seed. Is when there's increase that comes in. So when it was time for harvest, when it was time to bring the increase in, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the first fruits of the lambs from his flock. Now, I want you to understand something here. Both these boys were being generous. Both these young men, uh, I don't know how old they were. They were being generous towards God, right? They both brought an offering. They were both bringing it in a generous manner, but there was a problem along the way. And it says this, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And God said this to him, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what? What is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. What was the difference between these two boys' offering? What was the difference between what they gave out of their increase? One, Cain just gave some of his crops. He grew some crops, and he just gave God some of the crops, right? His brother Abel, it says he gave the first of the flock. He gave the first and the best of his flock to God. God cares about how you give to him, right? Any increase that comes into our hand, anything that God allows to come into our life, um, the first act of generosity should be back to God. And we don't give God just a portion of some kind. We just don't give him whatever, right? Whatever's left, you know, we don't just hand that over to him. We give him our first and we give him our best. God cares about how we give. He cares about how we do it. He cares about what our generosity looks like when we give back to him, right? There's a difference. There's a difference between getting the the best of something and just getting something. You honor someone when they get the first piece, right? If you get somebody the first piece of the pie, how many know you're honoring them, right? Come on. You, you're showing them respect when they get the first piece of anything. When a guest comes to our house and my wife's great at cooking and she's great at baking and if she makes a pie or she makes a cake or something, guess who does not get to touch the first piece? Not me. Okay, all right, I can have some of the leftovers. You know, if there's, if there's something uh, that fell off and got burnt, you know, I can eat that beforehand. And it's not because she's trying to withhold anything from me. It's because we got guests coming and she wants to honor them and they're going to get the first piece. 
They're going to get the first and the best of whatever comes out of that oven. Now, after they eat, then I get to eat, right? Then I get to dive into it as well. It's the first and the best. God is not interested in second place in your life. He is not interested in your second portion of generosity. He, he is not. He, he isn't okay with your crummy leftovers that have been in the fridge for four weeks, right? It's dried out. You stick some water on it, put it in a microwave, try to soften that thing up to eat it, okay? That's not what God's interested in. He's not. He won't even accept it. God will only accept our best and our first he wants the first. So our generosity starts with God, right? Cain gave God something. He just gave him some of it. And, and, and when God spoke to him, and God spoke to him very nicely, he said, you know, Cain, why do you look so dejected? I know you, your offering wasn't accepted, but if you just go back and do what's right. And, and Cain could have repented. He could have said, you know, God, I know I didn't do this right. Let me just go back and do it again. And God would have been fine with that. Just go back and give your first and best. But that's not what Cain did. Cain got angry. What was in his belief system, what was in his heart, right, in his belief center was all jacked up. And, and he didn't believe that at all. And, and he, a matter of fact, he got angry, the Word of God says. He got jealous of his brother. And one day, very shortly after that, he literally took his brother's life. It was the first murder in Scripture. He took his brother's life because he didn't understand generosity. He didn't understand what should have been first. When it comes to generosity and when it comes to your belief center, we got to give God our first and we got to give him our best of our increase. Amen? It's true. Don't throw leftovers to God. Even worse, don't throw nothing at God, right? Don't do it. And listen, God doesn't need your money, by the way, okay? Do you know that he's the creator of all things, <laughs> Right? Do you know that he spoke things into existence? It's not like he needs what we're going to hand back to him, right? It was, first of all, right, if we talk, go back to the beginning, we're, we're not the owner, we're the manager. It's all his in the first place. Everything that we see around us, right? And so God doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need anything. He can speak anything to existence. He has all power. He has all, he, he can do anything. It's a heart thing. He's looking at your heart. Like, if you're going to be generous, you can be generous with me first. Because if you're generous with me first, then you get me in the mix. And then I can begin to bless what you put your hands to, right? Because we do it his way. Proverbs 3, 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus twenty two twenty nine, You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe fruit, and your juices, the firstborn of your sons, you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days. And then on the eighth day, you will give it to me. Generosity starts with God. You want to be generous. I'm going to ask if the praise team would come. Make their way up here. Now, I know you're all wondering, why has he got this table up here with 10 apples on it, right? <laughs> And I wanted to kind of give you just something to look at, all right? There's 10 apples on here, and this represents God giving you increase into your life. And God may have blessed you with a job. He might have blessed you with an ability to make increase somehow in your life and in some way. And all this represents that increase. And what God does is he asks for some of that back, right? 
He says, I want you to, the first place you're generous, you honor God with the first of your fruits. And the scripture talks about the tenth, the tithe. You'll hear us talking about the tithe and offering. It's the tithe. It's, it's one-tenth. He says, give this one-tenth back to me and, and be generous with me first. Now, a couple things go along with that. A couple things happen when you do that. First of all, he blesses the nine, okay? And trust me, you can have all ten. It'll never even come close to God. Uh, blessing nine in your hand instead. You, you can keep all 10 for you. God gives you that option. If you do that, you can, we can be disobedient to God and we can just say, okay, God, I'm keeping it all, right? But, but if you hand him one back, you get him in, you're generous to God first, you get God in the mix and all of a sudden God begins to bless. And he begins to bless this. Now, the other thing is you got to understand about something, what you hand back to God. Because when you hand something back to God, and, and this is in the New Testament, it's in, in Scripture, when, when, I don't know how many of you remember this story, or maybe you've never heard this story before, but in two places in Scripture, Jesus is out teaching. One time he's teaching 4,000 men plus women and children, and another place he's teaching 5,000 plus men, women, and children. Okay? He's out there. They're out there for a long time, and, and they all get hungry. And all that's around is one lunch, right? There's some bread and some fish in, in both cases. I'm not going to go into all the details. But, they, but you know what they do with it? They give it to Jesus. They bring the one lunch. They hand it to Jesus, and they say, Jesus is all we got, right? 5,000 plus people, 4,000 uh, plus people, and, and this is all we got. And Jesus says, okay, give it to me. And you know what Jesus does? He takes it, the word of God says he blessed it, he broke it, and he fed all 5,000 and all 4,000. Each time he fed the entire crowd, and they took up baskets full of food afterwards. What am I getting at? The one thing that you place in God's hand, anything, this is a principle. You can put this in your truth center, okay? Anything you place in God's hands, he will bless, break, and multiply, and it's always full circle. He gives back every time. It's, it's all through the Word of God. It's all through the Word of God. You give him the one, one thing. I don't have that ability, right? You can give me something. Matter of fact, if you give it to me, I'll probably spend it and lose it or something, right? It'll be gone. You give it to God, he will bless it. He will break it. He will multiply it, and it'll come back around full circle. It's true. I'm going to ask if you'd stand this morning. I want you to do this this morning. There's a way of response. This is you and Jesus. This is between you and God. You've heard the word. You've heard what's in the word. I want you just to close your eyes. I don't want anyone looking around. This is between you and God. You got, you got to let the Holy Spirit talk to you about your belief center. What do you believe? I make no apology in, in preaching this in God's word because it, this is blessing that God wants for you. And while you got your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to read out of Malachi 6 and 12. You need to listen closely. It says this, for I am the Lord. I do not change. That's a great phrase there, by the way. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from me, from my ordinances, and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? And verse 8 says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. For you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithe and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now listen, he says this. You don't see this anywhere else in scripture. And try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing 
that you will not be, uh, you will not be room enough to receive it. And he goes on to say, not only that, but I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God's word says, if you get me in the mix, I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will, I will, I will go before you, beside you, in front of you, and behind you. Father, we come to you today. God, your word is quick. It is powerful. God, it comes in and just opens us up. God, it speaks to us. And God, I know there might be some wrestling right now. God, in their heart and in their minds. Lord, it's about giving you the one. God, it's about giving back to you. It's about being generous to you first. And God, then being generous otherwise to others out beyond that. Lord, I pray, God, that you would minister and speak, Lord, to each one in the house. God, let them look into your word. God, if they don't, if they don't think I'm speaking truth, God, I pray they search your word. God, that they begin, they'll go home and look into it themselves. And God, they'll rightly divide the word of truth. Lord, I pray, God, your blessing upon this group. God, I pray that you're in the mix. God, I pray for flow in their lives, God, in every way and in every area. And Lord, we just give you praise and glory. As your eyes are closed, Zach, just sing one song. I want to give you time to pray on your own this morning as he sings. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. No, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Some of you, you know, you might be looking at this, you might be thinking, man, he talked about a tenth. Like, that's a crazy number, right? A tenth? Like, you've got a tenth? Let me challenge you to do something. Just walk in obedience. Follow God, all right? Sometimes, maybe some of you are just going to be the first time, you're going to be a first-time giver. And maybe a tenth, you need to talk about a tenth more. You need to understand what that is. Or, or maybe your finances aren't in a place where you can do that right now. Just begin to trust God with your finances. Give for the first time right? Just give for the first time what you can. And then, and, and, uh, man, there's people in this church, there's pastoral staff, we'd love to talk to you about this more. I got a whole testimony myself. I'll tell you my story. I did not do so well at the beginning in, in life and some things. And I'll give you my testimony of finances and what God's done and what he can do in your life. But just trust him. Let him in. I'm telling you, that word, I'll tell you how confident I am in that word. And, and I'll make this statement. I'm bold enough to make it again. I told people many times that when I preached on finance, I said, look, go ahead and tithe. And if, if trust God with a tenth uh, of your increase, give it to him. And, and if you give that to this church and you track that, if God doesn't hold up to his end of the bargain in six months, I'll write you a check back for every dollar of it. Do you know how many people I've ever had come back to me? Zero. Because God always keeps his word. Always. Always. It's true. It's true. So... 
just give for the, you know, just start to step in this because God wants to be in your finances as well. Amen? Money possessions. All right. Y'all, y'all still okay with me now? Good, good. Turn somebody, give them a high five. Tell them it's good to be in God's house. God bless you. Bring somebody back to LifeHouse next week with you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this message from LifeHouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.